it's a great experience to live in a house that lives back at you. That's not just a container for you or your stuff, but that really resonates with who you are and what you do. Hey there. Welcome back to Midmon Remodel. This is the show about updating MCM homes, helping you match a mid-century home to your modern life. I'm your host, Della Hansman, architect and mid-century ranch enthusiast. You're listening to Season 3, Episode 13. Today, I am trying out something entirely new for this podcast, which is opening up the door to a guest interview. I'm so excited to share with you my conversation with George Smart, a.k.a. Mr. Modernism, who is the founder and executive director of U.S. Modernist. Among other things, this is the largest open digital archive of mid-century modernist houses in the world. This is a resource. Check it out. George is an archivist of and advocate for modern architecture in both the past and the present. He's an inveterate networker who connects people who love MCM design with each other all over the country and the world. You may already know him as the host of the Modern Architecture podcast, U.S. Modernist Radio. We sat down in our respective offices this week to chat about why modern architecture and houses are so great and how to dig more deeply into the modern history of your hometown and possibly your own house. To set the scene, I should tell you that his Zoom background is the pool of Frank Sinatra's house. Without further ado, I'll jump in. I started by asking him to share with you the story of his entree into loving modernism. I really can't give you any better introduction to this than to let him take it from here. Well, Della, it was a dark and stormy night <laughs> in January of 2007. And I was doing what we all do when we can't sleep. I was Googling, trying to pass the time. And I had in the back of my mind wanted to research modernist houses in my area because I was thinking about building one. I'd never done this before. So I went on to Google and found some houses in Raleigh, just a few very classic ones by names that are well known in this state, like George Matsumoto and Brian Shawcroft and Terry Waugh and Harwell Hamilton Harris and others. And then about one in the morning, I realized that I had been to these houses before, almost all of them, when I was six or seven years old with my dad. Really? So I had this experience kind of like in Alien, where the little creature explodes from the guy's stomach and runs around the room. Architecture exploded from my DNA all of a sudden, and I was totally into it. That's a wonderful, uh, wonderfully horrifying description. Yes, yes. It was a, it was a complete takeover. And then over the coming next few weeks, I started researching more houses. I got a list of about 20. I showed it to some friends of my dad who was an architect, but he had passed away by that point. And they said, oh, yeah, there are dozens of houses around. They're all hidden away. You just got to find them. So I took this on as a, a quest. And after I got to about 100 or so, people said, hey, why don't you have a website? Oh, okay. So I started a website, the most primitive of websites. Well, it was or, at that point still 2007 or? Yeah. I mean, websites very... were pretty, pretty basic at that time. Yeah. And, and ours still is. We pride ourselves that our webmaster is Fred Flintstone. So I uh, started this website and about a month or two later, people wrote in and they wanted tours of these houses which I'd never thought of. So I thought, well, you know, how hard can this be? I'll do a tour. 
and 250 people showed up for the first tour. That's not a beginner level tour. Yeah, which we did in late summer of um, that year. That was about 100 tours ago. Uh, we have been all over the Triangle area. We've been all over North Carolina. We take people around the country. We take people to Europe. And in 2021, we're taking people to Dubai and Abu Dhabi for the World's Fair, um, which will be probably the second most attended event in human history. Wow. That is wild. And it all started with, hey, I guess we'll give a tour and see who shows up. And 200 Yeah, people right. Show up. Right. So really, modernist architecture is in your blood. Or was your dad a modernist architect? He was a frustrated modernist architect. Okay. Uh, his practice was mostly the things that most architects do, you know, churches and schools and post offices and things like that. He didn't get the exciting clients with billions of dollars. So few of us do. I know. I know. He was just, you know, your you know, talented, average architect. Um, he did get a chance to spend a summer at Taliesin uh, late in his life. He was the architect in residence at Taliesin East, and he oh, loved wow. doing that. So once you started giving tours, you started growing a website. How much of, do you still have a day job that is separate from this, or do you devote your life entirely to modernism now? Apparently, I don't have a day job anymore. This has metastasized and taken things <laughs> over. Um, you know, you just don't see it coming. I mean, I thought this was going to be a little hobby that I had. I didn't realize that, you know, at first a half a dozen and then many dozens. And then now our newsletter goes out to about 18,000 people every week. Wow. Um, it just keeps growing and growing and that we would get into preservation efforts and that we would start this massive online library of sources for modernism. I mean, I just was sitting there late at night doing a Google search. It is funny how that works. I thought that my dipping my toe into updating a mid-century ranch would be about a one-year project. I bought my first house. I thought I would do the classic architect thing and devote myself to doing all of the cool moves on my own home to show people how it's yeah. done. And then before I knew it, I was helping someone else update their ranch, and then I was helping someone else, and now it's a business. I thought I would do this for a year and then go back and get a desk job at a regular architecture firm again. And I don't I don't know that yeah. I'm going to do anything but mid-century ranches ever again. I love it. I'm constantly exactly. getting... The phone is ringing off the hook. Well, I suppose the email is really just buzzing, uh, is more how it works these days. But there are so many people that need help with this. There is such a wave of enthusiasm about it, and I'm happy to ride along and continue to sort of fan the flames and get more and more people excited about. Oh, people are totally into it. It's, it's, it's a, it's a thing mm -hmm. to the extent that it's a thing. I mean, modernism has never really caught on with the American public in a major way in our area, which is probably the third or fourth largest concentration of modernist houses in the country. Only one fourth of 1% of the houses are modern really at all. Now, you would you include a ranch house in your definition of modern? Typically, uh, it's about half and half. Mm -hmm. Some of the ranch houses were really built to escape modernism. Modernism was out of favor. We didn't want that weird-looking house with the flat roof, although we liked some of the features that were inside that weird-looking house. Right, the open and plan, the flow. Yeah. Of, and so in the end, people would have 
a modernist ranch and then they would decorate it like a cottage, a storybook ranch, or just put on all the traditional gingerbread features, put a split rail fence out front. And I just shake my head and think, well, what were you trying to do here? What, what was your goal? Because if you wanted to live in a cottage, you, you could have built a cottage. Exactly. It's what I call the Priscilla Presley syndrome. Because Priscilla Presley, wife of Elvis, bought a perfectly wonderful John Lautner house in Los Angeles and then proceeded to convert it into an Italianate villa. No! Moral of the story here is, if you want a villa, just buy one to begin with. Buy or build a villa. Yes, I totally agree. I totally agree. Modernism is like NASCAR and sushi. It's a very small audience, but very dedicated. Again, very interesting analogy. I like it. So I was wondering if I could ask you for people who are wondering about modernism, who are liking it themselves and are finding that they're getting pushback from their extended family, perhaps their partner, their neighbors. Do you have things that you tell them that they can use to either feel confident and stand their ground or even to be persuasive about what's so great about modernism? What's your... Yes, uh, I have a program called the Spousal Reconditioning Program. I love this. And uh, this is where you take your, uh, you know, Victorian era spouse and you want to get them converted to modernism. So uh, what you do is you get a bunch of modern architecture magazines and you give them to them and you have them flip through and put a little sticky note on anything that they happen to like. And you do this like once a week for about 10 weeks with a different magazine. Okay. And uh, about into week 10, the spouse is going to come to you and go, you know, I, I didn't think I would like this house, but it's not bad, you know? So now you know you're on the way towards reprogramming their brain. And step two is to take them on some sort of modernist architecture tour. Um, it can be just a day tour to go into some houses in your local area, or even better, it's doing one of these Airbnb modernist houses things where you can spend the weekend in one and actually see how it lives. Right. And, and that's, where, that's where your uh, wayward spouse will, you know, uh, realize how fabulous it is to get the vibe of mid-century modern because it lives so differently than just your standard construction. The questions I get the most often from people, either through calls or email or Instagram or any one of the 19,000 communication channels that I have right. now. Uh, the first question is, how should I pick an architect? And then uh, the second question usually is, how should I tell the architect what it is that I want? What do you tell them? And so, well, first question, how do I pick an architect? I tell them, first of all, that's really not your problem. Most architects that you're going to go to out there are going to do a fine job of whatever it is that you need. Your real problem is finding a builder who is skilled at this kind of stuff and is used to working with the materials and is not your cousin Earl who has promised that he can do it no matter what. Um, You just need to to focus on the right thing here, and that is your builder. So I always recommend that they go to the architect, and the first thing you should ask him is, who's your favorite builder? Who do you like to work with the most? What unfortunately happens a lot is people go through the architectural process. They think they're being super smart and bid it out to people to, you know, put in a proposal on. They take the low cost bid and then six months later, they're really upset that it didn't turn out like they want. It's like, duh, come on. Yes. 
So that's what I answer the first question. The second question they ask is, how do I work with the architect? I said, okay, whatever you do, because I know you've watched too many hours of HGTV already. Do not go to your architect with your list of 100 things and your Pinterest board that you want to shove into this remodeling. Do not do that. No matter what happens, do not do this. And they go, oh, I was already with my Pinterest board. Take it in. It's like, no, no, we're going to stop this right now. First thing you want to do is you want to figure out after the remodel is done, what do you want the house to do for you? What is its function going to be? Is it a performance space for your prize cello? Is it a place for your two kids and the two you're going to have to play around? Is it for your mother to come live in with you in five years? I mean, what is it really supposed to do? And then you tell your architect these functions. And because your architect is highly trained and has been to school and you have not, they have experience in uh, space and structure and scale and they can take those functions that you want and design your particularly delightful house. That's what you're paying them to do. If you're just taking them a list from HGTV, any idiot can take a list and like, you know, carve something out. But you want to actually capitalize on their talent. And they're going to come back to you with something that's going to be really amazing and probably do it in fewer square feet and at less cost than if you gave them your laundry list. And they go, oh, well, I, I've never thought about that before. I was like, well, you know, start thinking. This is a really humorous to me because two weeks ago, my podcast was a 10-step roadmap to planning a remodel. And step seven is go to Pinterest. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. Well, I'm glad you're out there whispering this or perhaps shouting it into people's ears because it's a good message. And it is very counter to what you get from HGTV, which basically says you deliver your Pinterest board to the ether and then. And then magic happens. Leprechauns and unicorns pop out. (laughs) And it's only going to cost you like a thousand dollars to do the whole thing. (laughs) To move this wall six inches and that wall eight inches. And yeah, (laughs) exactly. It's not, I mean, it's reality TV, which means it's about as realistic as The Bachelor is in terms of... Right, yeah. Yeah, you know, when there's a camera in your hot tub, you know that there's something, uh, you know, amiss. Yeah. One of the things I love so much about modernism is a lot of modernist houses are, are very compact. They are yes. multi-purpose spaces that can be used for different things during day and night or in different seasons of the year. And they don't need to be so extravagant in terms of square footage. Then you can spend that money on beautiful materials or art. Exactly. Exactly. You know, the competition we have every year in this state called the George Matsumoto prize is for new modernist houses. Oh, interesting. And and it recognizes architects who have continued the tradition that our state has for exceptional architecture. Uh, The juries every year always tend to favor the smaller to medium-sized houses because they're more jewel box-like, they're more meticulously crafted. Mm-hmm. And it's easier for a smaller house to shine than a house at, say, 10,000 square feet. Yep, exactly. I know you have interviewed Sarah Susanka, who is mm-hmm. not precisely a modernist by any stretch, but has right. the same approach to building quality over quantity. And I've always admired that in her work and her writing. Oh, yes. Yes, she was a fun guest. You have so many uh, wonderful interviews under your belt. Can I ask if you have a standout favorite or two? Is that even possible? Well, I have some that were, that were really super fun. I mean, it's always a thrill to talk with the guests. 
But sometimes we have subject matter that's thrilling too. Like mm-hmm. for me, I always love the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And we spoke with uh, the woman who owns the Ferris Bueller house now. Yes. The one that has the garage where the Ferrari rolls out uh, in the end. Oh, that scene. And, uh, and that was delightful. We got to, to speak with her. And then at the end, we all decided to sing Donkey Shane to her. So that was a treat. Um, not that we sang it very well, but it was a treat for us anyway. So fun subject, fun interview, and fun conclusion. Right. That's the, pretty much the trifecta. I just try to help people get connected with the resources they need, be it professionals or vendors or uh, finding things on our website that'll help them research a particular modernist house and its history or look up all the articles in which that house appeared over the years. Yeah. And that's such a fun thing to do. In fact, that was one of my next questions for for you, which was, where would you recommend that a sort of novice modernist fan start in terms of looking up the history of their area or a particular building in addition to your website? So most major metropolitan areas have a historic preservation society. Mm-hmm. Almost everybody does. Now, typically, those, those preservation societies are concerned with um, old mill houses and churches and Victorians and big brick factories and things like that, like in the 30s. So they may or may not have a modernist wing of people that are into that. But you can ask around and find out if there's a modernist organization in your area. Uh, They typically have uh, gatherings and tours and things like that when we're not in some sort of lockdown. Um, Also, if they're looking for a specific house, let's say that they've picked out a modernist house they've wanted for a long time. It's down the street. Um, The lady that lives there has just passed away. It hasn't gone on the market yet, um, but they had know somebody who knows somebody who knows the daughter, and they're thinking, hmm, how should we approach, blah, blah, blah. So what you should do is look through the deeds of the house in your county, and you can go back and determine who the original client was, and then you can start looking at uh, sometimes building permits are available that go back to the 50s or further. Mm-hmm. So you can look up building permits and find out who the architect of a house was, if you don't know already. Uh, And then if the architect was famous, their archives are going to be somewhere at a university, most likely. You can look there and find information about the architect. We have indexed about 8,000 houses across America by the 80 most famous architects of the 20th century. So every house built and unbuilt they ever did, every Wright, every Lautner, every Neutra, every Soriano, every Elwood, every Meyer, every Guathme, you know, the whole list um, that they can look up if they're looking up an iconic house. But more often, they're looking up a, a local architect who did something in their area. And you can sometimes find that in local newspaper coverage uh, for when the house uh, went live, say, in 1958. It was usually an article about it because it was an unusual house for the time. Right. And they'll talk about how it was put together and who built it and, and how the residents feel about being in this house with all that glass. <laughs> That's in every article? Yes, pretty much. People often, people with mid-century ranches often hope that they can find the record for a builder-grade house. And that's a bit more of a stretch, but you can always find the local few modernist firms from your town and find the work that they've done and dig into the history, the contemporary history, which does influence back and forth what 
owner builders were doing in the same era. And before the internet, the way you got famous was to be published in one of about eight national magazines. Mm -hmm. And these were gorgeous magazines with full color eventually, but uh, the black and white versions, I think, were even better because they, they highlighted the, the detail of the house much better. Architecture Forum, Progressive Architecture, Arts and Architecture, Architecture Record, Early Architecture Digest, uh, Sunset Magazine, GA Houses, which came out of Japan. That was like the Academy Awards of magazines. If you got into GA Houses, you had made it. And you can look up these magazines on our site. Um, what I do when somebody calls me to talk about an obscure architect somewhere is I go into our site and just do a search, and I can generally find some citation about them in their career. Uh, or I can go to something called the Bowker Directories, B-O-W-K-E-R. Uh, Bowker was a publishing company that in the 60s and early 70s published a directory of every architect in America with their biographical information and the major projects they had accomplished. And it's really easy to use, and you have instant success generally finding anybody who was an architect. Oh, that's great. And that's such a resource for people who are looking for not the 80 most famous modernist architects, but, you know, right. who was doing what in their town. That's wonderful. A herald from down the street from 1963. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else that you want to say that you want to make sure that people who are updating mid-century ranches that listen to me hear from you? I would say that it's a great experience to live in a house that lives back at you. That's not just a container for you or your stuff, but that really resonates with who you are and what you do and how you interact with other people, how you interact with guests that come to your house. So whether you're building a 800 square foot little cabin or an 8,000 square foot, you know, more monster house, you still want it to be really you. And I think that's what the real gift of residential architecture is. What is the best way for someone to find you on the internet? So they can go to our website, which is usmodernist.org. Or if they're in North Carolina, they can go to ncmodernist.org. And I can be reached at either one, george at usmodernist.org or george at ncmodernist.org. And on Instagram, I'm mr.modernism. And you are putting out great new material on all of those platforms all the time, as well as, of course, your podcast. Right. It's a lot of fun. And we have a great team. Uh, our social media manager is 16. And uh, we just uh, posted our first TikTok video. We're experimenting with that now. We're trying to figure out a way to make that work. You know, you can't That's let the moss grow under your keyboard. No, not if you want to keep modernist buildings in everyone's right. hearts and minds. So I will have links on the show notes to your right. website, to where people can email you, to your Instagram, and I'm going to find your TikTok and put the link to that too. I'm looking forward to checking that out. You can find those show notes at midmod-midwest.com slash 313. If you enjoyed listening to Mr. Modernism and I having that chat, you'll get to repeat the experience this fall when I hop over onto his show, U.S. Modernist Radio. That will be happening in September. Before I let you go, I just want to remind everyone that tomorrow, Friday, July 3rd, is the last day to jump into the Ready to Remodel course with me. I'm sure I will be running another session soon to help even more ranch owners plan a remodel that really fits their life, home, and budget, 
But honestly, I don't know right now when that will be. So I'd love to see you inside the course this Friday and kick off your remodel plans in style. You can help other mid-century homeowners like yourself find the Mid-Mod Remodel Podcast by adding a rating and review. I appreciate your feedback so much. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to make sure you never miss an episode. So long for now, Mid-Mod Remodelers. That's all for this week.